Welcome to Cowboyette. It's the Christmas edition, and all the cowboys have, have rode away, and they're away from their, their, their professional meal wagons and, and all that, so we all have a little different mic set up today. It's, this is a real down-home Christmas podcast day. We're all, we're all broadcasting next to the fire, inside, away from the wind. So, welcome. Joe, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, just taking that uh, much-needed uh, Christmas break. Uh, looking forward to picking it back up in the new year. And, Maya, and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Grading is done and having a chance to hang out with the family. It's going well. Grading, that all-time favorite. That's like a Christmas favorite for all cowboys and teachers. And, and we got an extra... I wouldn't say it's on like a, a donkey. It's, it's on a littler horse. We we found her on the side of the road. Uh, Carolyn, where are you at? I, hi guys. Um, I'm in Loveland for the holidays and I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you guys found me stranded on the side of the road. All right. Well, we're glad you're here too, Carolyn. So we got a, we got a, a, a pre-service teacher bringing some extra opinions and excitement to this conversation as we get going. But enough about all of us. We've got an amazing interview today. We are, we're going to talk to Alexis Barney. She's the 2021 Wyoming Teacher of the Year. She teaches fourth and fifth grade at Evansville Elementary School in Casper. And we are so excited to have her. She was just named the Teacher of the Year. Alexis, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> It's awesome to have those education uh, leaders that are out there doing some amazing things. I, I, I totally appreciate the, 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 the people in the trenches. And that's, that's where we are. So uh, we'll just come out. This is this crazy COVID year. And how has the pandemic changed what you do? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let me start by saying teachers are rock stars. I think in the midst of the pandemic, the one profession that dropped everything and changed in at the drop of a hat were teachers. And they had to learn new things overnight and be ready to engage and pick up those students. You know, the pandemic has changed education so much. And I think in that way, first off, it's shown that teachers are resilient and it has shown what powerful people teachers can be. And so in a way I'm grateful for that because I think it's shown a much needed light on educators and how magical and powerful they are. In other ways, I think the pandemic is, I mean, it's turned education on its head. We are teaching in different ways. Students are learning in different ways. I mean, in the midst of the quarantine, when we shut down back in, in March, you know, it was survival mode. Students might not be learning new content, but we need to engage them. We need to have conversations with them. We need to talk to them in some way or another and get them somewhat used to this new virtual learning. And I think in the same form, parents are learning right alongside. I think that's the third change that's come out of this pandemic is parents seem to be much more engaged in education and they're learning right alongside their students. I know I've had 
a lot of really wonderful conversations with parents and my relationship with parents has never been stronger and the pandemic brought that out. They're becoming teachers themselves in a lot of different ways, whether kids are in person in schools or not, the, the parents have a huge role to play. So, I mean, <laughs> I could go on and on about the number of things that have changed because of the pandemic, but those are some of the biggest things. And I'm just so proud of all the parents and the teachers out there and proud to be one of them and to have this big community of digital aged learners, both adults and students alike. Wow, Alexis, you uh, definitely bring up, uh, that's like a great Christmas message. Thank you. And, and definitely honoring not just teachers, but parents as well. And, and you bring up, a, you brought up just an amazing point. Uh, being a history guy and looking back at history, this, this is similar to a World War II situation when all the factories shifted like instantly to making planes and tanks and, and armored vehicles and, and whatnot needed for war because we needed to do it. And COVID hit and people's lives changed and how they interacted with works. But how we delivered, how we taught kids absolutely was boom. And, and guess what? There were some tough days, but we did it. And, and you, you spoke to that well, that, that's awesome. So Maya, I know she's, she's kind of a tacky cowboy. And you know, her, 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 cow, her horse has, has some mechanical legs, but she's got some tech questions for you. Hi, Alexis. I, um, I think our, our listeners want to hear about your classroom. So can you give us a sense of your classroom? I know we talked a little bit um, before the podcast about how you integrate content, maybe a little technology in there, and uh, you design these units for your fourth and fifth graders. So um, what does it look like and feel like to be in your classroom? So first of all, I want to start by saying I feel incredibly lucky. I know there's different opinions out there, but I feel incredibly lucky that we are in person in my district. We're in Casper. And so we are 100% in person unless a student were to go into quarantine and then we have some remote learning scenarios. Um, that being said, it is a lot. Um, this last week, knock on wood here, was the first week in two months that my entire class was in the classroom with me and no one was remote learning. And so over the course of that, I think it was two or three months, we have had various students in and out that are on a computer and they're learning right there with us on the computer, both asynchronously and synchronously. And there's so many teachers going through that and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But again, I want to say how, how proud I am of teachers to be able to do all of this. So that is something that you would see if you came into my classroom is now, whereas before kids would be out for however long being sick or weeks on end, whatever's going on, they would just be out and have makeup work or work sent with them. Now they're learning right alongside the class. Um, even though it is virtually, they're right there with with each other. And that's great because I teach in a very constructivist approach. I love conversations. I love students to develop their own knowledge and their own thinking. And when they're not there, they can't do that. They miss those conversations. That's not something they can make up. And so what's really wonderful, um, 
you know, we've talked so much about teachers being the rock stars. I got to say the students are rock stars too. They have adapted to this in such a tremendous way. And that's been part of this. They don't hesitate to grab that computer. And really we name the computer, the student's name. So, okay, there's, there's Johnny, go grab Johnny and take him to the back table, have a conversation with him. Oh, Johnny's about to die. Don't forget to plug him in. I mean, it's, it's different, but it's fun and it's okay. You have to have fun. Otherwise, I mean, we're not going to get through this. So they are rock stars in adapting to all of this as well. So that's something you'll see walking into my classroom. I love themes. I love a good theme. I love a good application to the world. And um, a couple of years ago, when I first saw the movie, The Greatest Showman, I was blown away, much like much of the world. I mean, Hugh Jackman is amazing. The writers and the directors of that movie, I could go on and on, but I was blown away. And so I started developing this idea of a circus and I didn't want it to be like this weird cutesy circus. I don't know. I, I needed it to be developed and created. So I took a year while I was teaching. I mean, and I developed this whole idea of a circus. So in my classroom, I have this tent, I have lights, I have all of this vintage circus decor. But at the core of this circus is our values as a family. Um, I teach students for two years. So at our school, we loop. I teach them for fourth and fifth grade. So we really truly start to develop this sense of community and this sense of family as a team. So bringing it back to the circus, on our wall is these huge marquee letters that spell out circus. Those letters are six representative of six values that we all hold each other accountable to in my classroom. Compassion, integrity, respect, creativity, unity, and success. And what's really incredible is when I take the time at the beginning of the year to develop class missions, to develop classroom culture, we really hone in on these values, on these, these words that bring our classroom together. What's neat about that is the kids then start to recognize those values in each other throughout the year and they point it out in each other. Wow, you're upholding our values in the circus. You showed a lot of integrity by picking up that piece of trash in the hallway. Way to go. Like there's such a magical thing that happens with that. So through that, we create such a family and such a community that whether we are in person together or not, we have this sense of community that we can fall back and rely on. Coming around to your integration question, um, I, while well, all that's going on in the background, of course, I love to integrate my teaching. And what that looks like is every science social studies unit is woven into every literacy and writing unit. Um, it's very much a project-based learning approach with some tweaks here and there. I've kind of made it my own. For an example of this, at the beginning of this year, I was teaching about the indigenous tribes uh, of the Great Plains region and um, going through all of my social studies content standards with that, along with building community in my classroom. It was the very first unit navigating new COVID 
protocols in the classroom um, and just building the classroom up to be that big family empathetic community that I wanted it to be. I started this unit with a driving question and I wanted this question. I thought so for so many weeks on this question, what this one question should be. I wanted it to resonate with the students and as a history teacher, James, you know, like we have to make history applicable to the students. Otherwise they don't intrinsically hold on to it. And it's not interesting. It's just a book. It's just, okay, that happened. So what? Um, and so I asked them the question, should we always share? And I left it at that. And what was so interesting about their initial responses, which I don't know why I was surprised, but they all took it the direction of COVID. <laughs> they all were like, nope, you can't share anymore. You can't share germs. We wear masks. You can't share things because you can't hand sanitize in between handing things to one another. It was a total, like total shift in the way we were talking about the history. Anyway, we kept moving forward. And as we dove deeper into the indigenous peoples and um, it really took a turn once we started talking about reservations and once we started talking about the true history of westward expansion and what happened to the indigenous tribes and how we're still resonating with that today. Um, that's when my students really saw the shift and we kept bringing it back to this idea of should we always share? And so their opinions on this sharing just continued to shift and we would apply it to writing pieces. It ended up with a project where they took all of our readings, all of our research, all of our conversations, and they made posters to put around the school that represented anti-bullying, but they taught bullying through a lens of history. And so that's just one example of how I integrate and how my teaching is all encompassing of every content area, very discussion-based. Kids are talking to each other. Kids are learning from one another more than they're learning from me. I have a student in my class this year who is Navajo and his family has a strong Navajo heritage and he does not talk. He is the quietest, most shy student. And it's like, come on, talk to me. I feel like I'm, I'm pulling it out of him. And one day, I'll never forget the day I, I teared up. I called his mom afterwards and we were crying on the phone with how wonderful this was. He raised his hand and said, I can understand how this person, we were reading um, Cheyenne again by Eve Bunting. And it's talking about the the schools that the the natives would be forced to go to and and how this this young native boy's heritage was kind of taken away from him and my student raised his hand and I was like oh yes call on him like he's raising his hand get to it and he talked for five minutes about his culture and his heritage and really started building that community in our classroom, our whole, I mean, we took time and just stopped and our whole community just changed in that moment because kids were asking him questions. They started to build an empathetic understanding of not only this history that we're learning that sometimes feels so abstract, but they're learning about him and building that understanding of the cultures in place in our classroom. So that's a long way of kind of explaining all of those processes. I'm sorry, I kind of went on a tangent there. 
No, that's definitely. And Alexis, you brought up two, two very important things here. A, um, a lot of teachers would, would question, I mean, would say they teach in a circus for sure, but <laughs> you made the circus much more meaningful in, in your classroom and, and, and we appreciate that. But Hey, I, I, I hear, I hear, I hear, hear that pony raising up. Carolyn, Carolyn, I, I think you got a question for us. What do you got? Yeah, Alexis, I think it's so cool to hear the way that you talk about your classroom. Myself being a pre-service teacher in my freshman year at UW for English and education, it's so cool to hear how you're integrating new things to create a supportive environment for these students. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what's the best advice you would give to young education students to take forward with them into the field? Oh, man, there's a lot of advice. <laughs> I think some of the best advice I would give is really going back to this idea. I teach my students the same thing. We have, we have this mantra in our classroom, turn our cans into cans and we turn our dreams into plans. And I feel like as new teachers, it's so easy to be bogged down by everything. And it's so easy to get so overwhelmed by what's happening in a new school, in a new profession. The first time you step into that classroom, the very first day, you can have all the best written plans in the world. And in the first five minutes, they you know, get thrown out the window and that gets overwhelming. And sometimes I think it's very easy to fall back on a program or falling back on a, a pre-scripted curriculum because it's there and it's ready for you don't be afraid to step out of the box. I would say, don't be afraid to look at your standards. We teach kids, we teach kids the standards. We don't teach programs, we don't teach scripts. And so don't be afraid to look at what's best for your students. And if that is not a scripted program or a scripted curriculum, have conversations with your administrator. Be brave, find your voice and find the courage to do what you know is best for kids. And that might not be what's already in place, but through respectful, open conversations and finding your voice and being able to research, I think you can do what's best for kids and ultimately what's best for you. If you're not teaching something you enjoy, and if you're not teaching something that you might be good at teaching, I, I believe you're not going to be an effective educator. You have to be comfortable teaching what, what you're teaching. Otherwise, you're not going to be effective. And I think finding your voice and your courage to be able to do what's best for kids and what's best for you is, is the biggest advice I have. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I'll pass it to Joe for his next question that he wants to throw right at you. Hey, Alexis, great advice. And you know, you've really hit on without having probably heard previous episodes, you've hit on something that we have been stressing in multiple episodes, which is um, we are teaching children, we're not teaching a content area necessarily, you know, and, and so love what you do, love your content area, all that kind of stuff. But just remember students at the very center of it. And so what a great message to keep coming across here um, as, as we continue to loop through our podcast here. But um, I've got a question, uh, This maybe the second most thing, and, you, and you've talked about it a little bit, is a little bit more, could you talk a little bit more about how you incorporate families, parents, 
um, into the teaching and learning because obviously they they've taken a much more active role, I would say, right? Parents have had to take a much more active role during the pandemic. So is there is there any other uh, ideas or pieces of advice you might wanna share about how to incorporate parents? I think my biggest advice would be don't be afraid to reach out. I think parents want to help and they want to do the best they can for their kiddos. And sometimes they might not know how and teachers can't be afraid to reach out and say, I need help with this. I'm struggling with this. Could you please do some extra practice here in this area at home? But the other thing I think everyone needs to remember is this is going to be different and that's okay. Like this isn't just affecting our city. This isn't just affecting Wyoming. This isn't just affecting the United States, this is worldwide. And so I think everyone has to be willing to take a step back and go, this is okay. It is different and it's it, it's okay that it's different. And the reason I bring that piece up is I've had parents stressing out. My kid is behind. I feel like th from March to May, they lost so much and I'm not sure that they're ready for fourth grade. I don't know. I've been reading extra books at home. I've been hounding the math skills at home. I've been doing all of this. And I've said, it's okay. Take a step back, take a breath. You are being an awesome parent. You're doing the very best you can and you're doing wonderfully. If they are behind, it is my job to catch them up. And honestly, these days, what is behind? Right now, we can only do the best we can. We can move forward at the best rate that we can, whatever's best for kids. And sometimes it's not pounding the multiplication skills over and over and over at home. Sometimes that's sitting down and having a family conversation about how things are going. How is it being back in school or how is it remote learning? Um, and that's been a big thing I've talked to parents about too, especially with my students that have been remote learning from their homes. They're on the computer hours and hours a day learning synchronously with us in the classroom. No matter how I try to provide some asynchronous activities, they're on the computer all day long. It's okay to give them a break. It's okay to let them read for fun. It's okay to let them go outside and play and take a break. And so I think the biggest piece of advice there is just talk to the parents. Don't be afraid to have those open conversations about what's needed, what the fears are, what the worries are, and just keep open door communication and we'll all get through this one way or another. <laughs> Alexis, I love the stories you're telling about the complexity of your classroom and how all of the students and the parents and, you know, obviously you're working with other teachers um, and, you know, you started off by talking about a circus and I, I just have this vision unfolding in my head as you're talking about how you are the ringmaster, right? And you have all of these things happening and as teacher of the year, you get to have a louder voice. Um, and I know you've been sharing a message. Your students have a mantra that you use in the classroom. And I was wondering if you could share that message with our listeners about how, how you focus on finding solutions rather than dwelling with the problems. Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because in my mind, I do picture myself as the ringmaster of the circus and every ringmaster stands on a stool in the center of the circus. Well, that stool's made of pillars. 
And those pillars are the parents. We've talked about how important those parent, that parent communication is. It's the students themselves. They're the main events of the show. And they're what all of our focus needs to be centered around. And then the third pillar is the community. I strongly believe, you've heard it over and over in me speaking today, is that we can always turn our cans into cans and our dreams into plans. My students hear it over and over as well. We can't let the things that are interfering with our profession or the barriers we may face stop us. We have to find ways to raise ourselves up as teachers, as principals, as tutors, whoever is in your school has a role to play in, in our students' learning. So I believe that rather than dwelling on these obstacles, we have to find a way to create memorable experiences for our students. That can be funding. That can be technology right now. I can share, I mean, when we went into quarantine, I was finding any way possible to keep my students engaged. I teach in a Title I school, 72% of our students in our school are on free and reduced lunch. So we, we have some, some major needs in our building. And sometimes that need stems from a lack of resources at home. And so when we went into quarantine, my immediate reaction was I need to get them engaged. I need to get them with me because our safe place was taken away from us. And so we need to build that somehow online. And that could have been a barrier. That could have been, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to create this safe spot. I don't know how to engage my students. I'm just going to do the best I can in survival mode. I'll put the information out there. Instead, I looked for ways to make it fun, to find ways to engage them so they wanted to come. They wanted to be there. I did daily read-alouds on Facebook. They were recorded, they were out there. I didn't have to, I wanted to. And that engaged students of all different grade levels. It was something that I was having conversations with students from second and third grade when I am normally having conversation, conversations sorry, with students in just my grade level. That was a way to engage students everywhere. In my own learning pod, I can't say learning environment, in, our, in my own class Zoom meetings, I was finding ways to get them to want to come and learn with me, whatever that was. We were playing games using online platforms like Kahoot, quizzes. I created a superhero lesson where they listened to a story about superheroes. They found the similes and they got to create their own superhero mask and describe themselves as superheroes using similes. And they were so excited to get on Zoom because I mean, it was all these students, you know, in your little grid and they all had their masks on. That was a way for us to build community. We were learning at the same time, but they were there. And, and that was a way I found to make it a safe and learning a space where we could still learn together. I think we just have to find ways to include parents and community members and they'll be supportive. That's the, those are the two other pillars of the, the ringmaster stool. Um, I have a story I can share. I'm sorry, I'm sharing a lot of stories. <laughs> I hope you guys like stories. <laughs> 
so we teach students the essential 55 standards from Ron Clark. I don't know if anybody's familiar with those, um, but that's a big, a big component of what we do in our school building to enhance respect for self, respect for others, and just overall decorum as a human being, not just as a student, but how can I be a good person too? So we really rely on those essential 55 rules. This was actually my first year of teaching, <laughs> Carolyn, and this is kind of my story that I think back on in, in, don't, in being, not being afraid to step out of the box. I was just working my way through those essential 55, teaching my students the different components, and we got to one of the rules that was about the ABCs of etiquette, and I was thinking, okay, it's it's very simple. We'll go through this lesson during snack time. We'll talk about how to eat snack, like, you know, a, a decent human being and how to be clean and how to just be polite. Um, it was not a quick lesson. I very quickly realized that many of my students had no idea what I was talking about in the realm of etiquette. And I wasn't expecting it. I knew they wouldn't know the word etiquette. I knew that was going to be new, but they, they had no idea what I was talking about when I was talking about these certain things. Some of them had no clue that there were two different types of forks. There were all of these things sometimes like, I just thought it was going to be something, a real quick hit moving on. I stopped the lesson and I asked how many of them had eaten at a non-fast food restaurant. Only a few of them raised their hands. The majority of my class of 26 kids had not eaten in a restaurant ever. <laughs> and so that just hit me in my heart. Like, oh my goodness, this is an experience that so many of us do weekly or monthly even. And so many of my kids are missing out on this experience. I think that taught me not only to build better relationships with my students, this was in my first year of teaching. I mean, you're in survival mode, you're going, <laughs> you're going and you're just trying to get through. <laughs> but I also think it taught me that we take things for granted and these students are missing out on a lot of things we take for granted, but I didn't want them to miss out anymore. So I worked with my school's social worker and we got Olive Garden to cater an event for these students free of charge. I sent out invitations to the parents and I told them, here's what I'm doing. I don't want you to go buy new clothes. I don't want you to feel pressure, but the students are invited to this fancy lunch. I mean, these were fancy little invitations that I printed on our, on our little school printer there. <laughs> but, um, it's happening on this day. I would love for them to have fun and dress up. We're going to have an afternoon of dining, a dining experience, and they're going to learn etiquette through being at a restaurant. This restaurant was called Barney's Bistro, and it was full-blown decorated. My room was transformed, and they came in that day. I was amazed. They were dressed to the nines as best as they could. They looked wonderful and their whole attitudes, their whole demeanors changed. They had so much respect for themselves. They had so much respect for each other. They walked in the classroom and they were so excited. I think 
part of that excitement was that their teacher was their waiter and like serving them <laughs> and meeting their every need. But we had our very own Barney's Bistro. We had our very own lunch day where they could show that they had had an experience and that experience made a difference in their lives, or at least I hope it did. I think I saw a difference in how they ate their snack. I mean, I know that's such a simple thing, but from that point forward, I just saw a difference in how they held themselves. And there were young men pulling out chairs for the young ladies, not just during lunch that day, they kept doing it throughout the year. Um, and just that polite and that respect, it just kept going. And I noticed a huge difference in how they treated themselves too. They had a lot of respect for themselves and they learned that they were cared about. And so they wanted to care about themselves. I could have seen that as a barrier. I could have seen this lesson as a, a limitation. They don't know, so I'm going to move on. Or they don't know, I'm going to post a picture of a restaurant on my whiteboard and they can pretend they're there. I could have seen that as a barrier, but instead I felt like I had a responsibility as their educator to educate them and to provide them an experience that wasn't just reading and math. It's a life experience. And so I think that's where my message really comes from is we have to examine those barriers and as educators, we have to find a way around them turning those pants into cans and using parents, community members, using our own voice, our own courage to do something different. And we can change the world. We can change these students' barriers too. Well, Alexis, uh, all I have to say is, wow. Um, it, it's so much, so much to share. And, and what you said reminds me of going way back to first grade. And so we, we must never forget the messages we give our kids do stick. They do make a difference. And my first grade teacher always said, can't was killed in the battle of try. Can't was killed in the battle of try. And so those things do stick. So I know your students are so appreciative and your parents are uh, amazingly helpful and appreciative of all you do. And, and sometimes you just gotta, as you said so elegantly, uh, take time to learn from them and listen. And so, a lot of our cowboy uh, rides have been fast and furious, but today, you know, we had that kind of sit by the warm fire and, and listen to some stories. And it, it what, a, what a great message. Alexis, congratulations on being the 2021 Teacher of the Year. You will represent Wyoming well and you represent all that is amazing about Wyoming teachers. Thank but you. It's time to go. Thank you, Thank you. And it's time to roll on. So, We'll talk to you soon. Move them on. Head them up. Head them up. Move them on. Move them on. Head them up. Cowboy Ed. On the run. <laughs>